Hey everyone, Rob here. First of all, I just want to thank you for listening and supporting Diabetics Doing Things. We are going on eight years of recording this podcast, so your support means everything. We would not be here without you. Just wanted to call your attention to a few things that we're working on lately that are updates to Diabetics Doing Things. The first is we are throwing events and you can find more about our events at diabeticsdoingthings.com slash events. We launched our first event in April of 2023. It was a coffee house roastery tour and latte art class. And we have two very exciting events coming up in the fall of 2023, including our first ever, so our inaugural National Diabetes Awareness Month event. And those are going to be on diabeticsdoingthings.com slash events this month. So be sure to check those out. Also, if you have a question that you want Eritrea and I to answer on air, please email the mailbag at diabeticsdoingthings.com. So that's mailbag at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Your question will be answered on air during a special episode of the Rob and Eritrea show. So if you want to ask us a burning question and you want us to spend some time on it, please reach out to mailbag at diabeticsdoingthings.com. All right, let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We're telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world. And I'm very excited to introduce our very special guest today. You know her as Mary Type 1. Mary Anderson, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. And, you know, just a few weeks ago, we got to, uh, we were right across uh, the event floor from you in the Type 1 tactical booth. So very excited to uh, finally have you on the podcast. I'm so excited. You don't know this, but I guess maybe, maybe Eritrea told you, but we like had, I, even back to last year, we were like making a big list of our like favorite diabetes creators and having them on the podcast and like kind of checking them off one by one. And you were the only one remaining at the top of the list that we saw. <laughs> so we're finally finishing like our projects from last year. So, so thank you. Very excited to have you on the show. Uh, so let's start where we always start. Let's talk about uh, your diagnosis with type 1 diabetes. How did you come to join the type 1 diabetes family? Yeah, I was diagnosed in 2018. It was my senior year of college. And my whole fall semester, it was known as like a stressful semester in the education program. And it was like horror stories leading up to that semester that you just hear from people. So I was like, okay, it's going to be stressful. I know that it's fine. We'll make it through. And then that semester, I just remember getting sicker and sicker and just feeling awful. But I thought it was all just because of stress. My biggest red flag was the weight loss because I was sick. I went to my campus clinic and they took my vitals. They weighed me, all that. And then I was still sick about two weeks later. So I went back to a different doctor and they weighed me again. And I had lost 15 pounds between those two appointments, like two weeks apart. And I was like, okay, something's not right. But again, I was like, oh, it's just stress. I'll go home for winter break. Things will be fine. And then I just kept feeling worse and worse. All those classic symptoms. So I finally went to my family doctor. They did a bunch of tests. They took my blood pressure. They did EKG. They did urine analysis. And finally, they were like, we need to procure finger. And I was like, okay, sure. I don't know what's going on. Go ahead. And then the nurse was like, your butcher's 439. And my doctor just looked at me and he was like, you're type one diabetic. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And so they went, they grabbed two insulin pins, the long acting and fast acting. And they were like, all right, we're going to teach you how to give yourself shots of insulin. 
you're going to do this for the next week until you get in with endocrinology and you'll, you know, learn more about it there. But here you go. This is it. It's like, okay. And then I went home and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. It was a whirlwind. Yeah. Well, we have, we know because we talked to so many people, like as adults with diabetes, we, you know, we don't get the consistent diagnosis experience, right? Like you literally got handed your insulin and kind of sent on your way. It's like, Hey, check that in a week and everything will be fine. And like, so no, like knowing all you know about diabetes now and like how much goes into your diabetes management, like, what do you think about like, what was that first week? Like looking back? It was crazy. So they gave me a scale of how much insulin they gave myself at meals before I went to see my endocrinologist for the first time. And I remember they said, if you eat a small meal, give yourself eight units, a medium meal, 10 units of insulin and a bigger meal like pizza, you know, give yourself 12 units. And that was all I had. And they were like, and then long acting, give yourself like 30 units a day. And I was like, okay, like I didn't, that those numbers meant nothing to me then. But looking back on it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like a small meal, eight units. I'm like, that it just is crazy to me that I didn't have more woes than I did. But they called me pretty much every day until I got in with my endo to read my numbers. And they were like, okay, dial this back, you know, two units and do this adjustment here. So, but thinking back to that, I'm like, I don't know how I made it. That's so much insulin. If you think about that, like a small meal, like what is that? An apple, maybe a cup of coffee, some oatmeal, eight units, seizure. I know my normal breakfast was like scrambled eggs and like a little piece of toast. And I'm taking eight units for one little slice of bread. I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I don't think they should say, I've always been of the opinion that anybody who's diagnosed diabetes should not be sent home immediately. That's always in my opinion, jail immediately. I don't, I just don't think that it's right. You guys get this like horrific diagnosis especially like now we have access to our phones so we can like google it oh no this gets to be anxiety no 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 no. i know and i went home and it was i kind of got home right around lunchtime and so i was like well they didn't tell me what i'm like allowed to eat like i don't know it's i have diabetes like what am i allowed to eat i don't they didn't say anything i'm like i'm just gonna make a sandwich i don't know what to do i was i was thinking we've been talking a lot at the, at the agency about girl dinner and like, you know, like the trend of like this little, little snacks is like, is that a small meal or is that a medium sized meal? What, you know, what's, what, right. how many units for a girl dinner? You never know. <laughs> it, it is the, it's like looking back and, and Eritrea, I agree with you, obviously like uh, sending somebody home. And I think it all, it often happens to adults because, you know, with kids, like there's the like really strong, like pediatric endocrinology, like you know, background because kids don't take care of themselves. Obviously, like they need to teach their parents too. And so. Like, you know, kids will stay, you know, a couple of days up to a week or even in some country, like two weeks in the hospital where they teach you everything. But adults are like, no, 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 just here, 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 it's like, go home, you know, eight, eight, 10, 12, and we'll see you in a week at the endo. It's like, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you know, especially like, you know, taking all that insulin, like early on, you're on, you're honeymooning, you know, your body's going through a whole lot probably. And so, oh, wild. Well, glad that that worked out yeah. for you. So... Let's kind of fast forward a little bit. You were, you know, talked about in your last semester in college getting diagnosed. So shortly after your diagnosis, like you, you know, became a teacher. So I guess what was that like making that transition? Like obviously like being a newly diagnosed type one diabetic and then going into your career where like you now have 
you know, I think Eritrea in our notes kind of put like one of the more like demanding, like you have to be very present, you have to be like very alert all the time. Like, what was that like for you so shortly after being diagnosed? Yeah, well, I am thankful for the timing of my diagnosis. So I was diagnosed in December and then I started student teaching in February. So I kind of had this month at home because I had moved back home for my student teaching and I had this month to kind of get my feet under me. And then going into student teaching, I was working under another teacher. So it was kind of like if I had something going on, I could kind of hand her the reins for a second while I go and like find an apple juice from my bag or that kind of thing. So it was nice to be able to figure out diabetes in teaching during my student teaching when I wasn't like the only person in the room. And that was also the same time I got my first pump and Dexcom. So I got to figure those settings out while I was in a classroom with another teacher. So I really was lucky to have that kind of grace period to figure both out together. So it made my first full year of teaching a little bit easier. I kind of got to figure out the, you know, course of things with another teacher. It's amazing how like people even like that don't know anything about like diabetes can become your sort of like diabetes support, like while you're and like the importance of community and like having people around you, whether they know about it or not, like just to help you ease into a very, very different, like very demanding, very, lots of inputs, lots of man- day-to-day management and a lifestyle. Yeah, my cooperating teacher was phenomenal. I mean, she tried to learn everything with me and she'd be like, are you okay? Do you need anything? Do you need a second? Every time my Dexcom went off because I didn't know the settings and how to make it vibrate or not beep at me when I'm high and all that. She was like, okay, what do you need? Like, what can I do? So she was great to help me kind of figure it all out. We talked about this, or Eritrea mentioned, like, you know, one of the things that people do now and we talk about this a lot because we were diagnosed like in the early 2000s. So like there Google, it's like weird to think of a time where like Google wasn't on your phone. But now like when people are diagnosed, like one of the first things that they do is get on the internet and, you know, learn about diabetes. They find people with diabetes and connect with them or, you know, look for people who do the things that they love to do. Um, what was that journey like for you? Like, did you look for teachers with diabetes? Did you, you know, how was your, how did that like research process go? And then like, when did you sort of identify that you wanted to share your journey with diabetes publicly? It was pretty soon after my diagnosis, actually. So my, one of my really good friends, Beth, she and I went to college together. We were roommates. We studied abroad together and she's type one and she has been type one since she was in elementary school. So when I lived with her, I knew about type one, thankfully. And so at my diagnosis, I kind of had someone to go to and talk to and learn from. And she had a diabetes account on Instagram that I had just followed just as a friend without diabetes at the time. Just like, oh yeah, like I'll follow along and see your journey. And so when I got diagnosed, I was like, wait, now I need to actually go back and really read through her stuff. And then I saw she was connecting with other diabetics on Instagram. And so I was like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to make an account and figure out and like find other people. So I think it's only two weeks after I was diagnosed that I made my Instagram account. And I just found as many people as I could just kind of like fell into a rabbit hole of going from this person to this person and then find this account. And I just started following so many people. I've tried to search for other teachers as well. And so I would DM a lot of like any type one teacher I could find. I'd be like, I just got diagnosed. I'm about to start teaching like what do you do? Like, what are some tips and tricks? So, and I just kind of started sharing my day-to-day stuff. I was like, 
what do I do when this happens? Because I was just so new to it. And then somehow over the time, over the past few years, it has just switched from me trying to learn from other people to now I'm the one helping other people. And I get newly diagnosed teachers messaging me. And it's so weird how it has just transformed over the last few years. It's cool, though, because then you get to be like the person that you would have found uh, when you were diagnosed, right? Like, you know, and, and yeah. sort of be, be that change that you want to see. Eritrea, what do we say about friends with diabetes? A friend with diabetes is a friend indeed. So shout out Beth. Indeed. Uh, and shout out Beth Abides. Uh, you know, I've seen her in your videos. And, and like, obviously, like having that background, like even before you're diagnosed, sharing your story with diabetes can help someone in the future. It's like, you don't even know that it's going to be, you know, you're, you, you know, one of your closest friends can benefit from you sharing your story. So I'm, I'm a big believer. I, your story matters. You got to do it. You got to share it. And so shout out Beth for kind of making that journey a little bit easy for you. Right. I was like, a whole lot. Oh yeah. Easy. She probably got sick of me that week after my diagnosis. Cause every day I was like, what they told me to do this. What do you, what do I do? And she's like, well, what's your insulin to carb ratio? And I was like, what does that mean? I didn't say that. I don't know. Eight units. <laughs> so but, she yeah. helped a lot that first week. I think I would have been mad at her. I would have been like, you gave me diabetes. I hate you. <laughs> I think as a joke, no offense, best diabetes. I'm sure you didn't give anyone diabetes. But I mean, it's just such a coincidence. Like, what do you mean? One of my best friends has type one. And now so do I. I That's wild. I was Club. like, you're never going to believe this. But I'm now type one too. So... <laughs> How, what, how, how, how has you guys' relationship changed? Like, obviously, you both now have diabetes, but like, especially early on, like being close friends already and then, you know, having something like this intimate and this personal to share with each other. Like, how, how did that like come about? I think it's honestly made us better friends because of it. She was a year ahead of me in college. So and she's a different major. So we never had classes together. And so we wouldn't see each other too much. We lived together for a year while we were at college. So then she had graduated and I feel like before my diagnosis, like we'd check in with each other my senior year, but it wasn't that often. And then when I was diagnosed, it was like constant and it gave us reasons to hang out and see each other. And I think honestly, it's just kind of bonded us a lot closer. So and she'll be a bridesmaid in my wedding next year. So she's How in fun. charge of my diabetes for the day. That's <laughs> like, you know what you're doing. How nice to just be able to pass that off to her. It's like, hey, it's on you today. We're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about this already about how now, you know, you are, you know, newly diagnosed teachers are messaging you and, you know, you are sharing your story publicly. You started that very soon after you were diagnosed. You know, for those who don't know, like Mary's one of the largest like TikTokers and, and diabetes creators on the internet and, you know, has... I, I was trying to think of like a way to describe it. Like, I feel like your videos probably have more views about diabetes than probably like almost anybody else. So it's like, you know, being able to be one of those people who introduces diabetes and type one diabetes to people for the first time, like, what has that journey been like? And like, you know, when, when did that, when did you realize like, oh man, like I really am like, like reaching a whole lot of people and like, this is like starting to be like something that I really, you know, pursue, not. Because obviously, like you're still a teacher, but you know, creating content takes time and effort and energy and strategy and thought. So, you know, when did you really double down and like commit to you know being more for Mary Type One? Yeah, it's still hard to wrap my head around it. I still am like, no, I'm just me. Like I'm nobody. Like people don't know who I am. And it really didn't hit until we were at Friends for Life, 
And I had so many people coming up being like, oh my gosh, I follow you. Like, it's so nice to meet you. Like, it was just so weird to see people in person and people be like, I know you because I can look at a number on my phone, but it doesn't really mean anything until all of a sudden I'm like meeting people. But I feel like last year was the year I really kind of put in more effort and saw things taking off a lot more. I had a deal going on with Meta and like Facebook and Instagram and that kind of boosted my numbers a lot and that was just really cool to see and it's just I don't know it's just slowly kind of become more and more and I get emails from different brands and it's like oh my gosh like this is happening like it's just I don't know it's so surreal to me and hard to comprehend like the reach that I have. It's so cool, though, you're, you're, like you said, like when you're in person and people can come up to you and like, especially like kids, like Friends for Life is such a cool place because there's like so many kids and teens and parents around. But that was the first time that I had been to the conference as well. So it was it was just neat to see like, you know, that connection, that in-person connection, because I think you it, it's weird, like a per, I guess I've, I've maybe shared this on the podcast before, but like Raquel type one day was the first person who ever recognized me in public that like. Like, so she just saw me and we were at like the Jewish community center in Dallas and she was working out and I was playing a basketball game and she's like, DM me is like, are you at the JCC in Dallas? And so it's like, it's really weird. Like, yeah, like, cause I'm a normal person and don't feel like, you know, like a celebrity. And so it was just like, so strange, like somebody that saw a video or a photo or a post, like can then see you in person and it's like, and, and really connect that way. And now, you know, over the years, like she went skydiving with me. Like, so it was like, you know, we've done all these like different experiences. And so being able to like see people in person and like build real relationships just from sharing that, you know, diabetes content is, is really exciting. And it's really, you know, rare and new still, like so many people like haven't yeah. really experienced that. And it's rewarding too. to like hear people's, like when we were at Friends for Life, people come up to me and be like, you know, you really impacted my life. Like you're the reason I got on the tandem pump and you're the reason I got on a Dexcom and my A1C has dropped, you know, this by this much just because I've been following you and doing all these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, like it just, it's crazy to hear, but it's so rewarding and so amazing to connect with people. And yeah, it's just wild to me still. I see I'm like, no, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just me. It's, even my friends know, like they'll joke and they're like, Oh, do you think people here follow you? And I'm like, no, like the whole, don't, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite video uh, or like something that comes to mind or like favorite piece of content that you've shared? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. My, I feel like my classroom ones, I haven't done one in a while because it's kind of tricky to navigate. Like, you know, I'm doing diabetes, but then it's like, if it's in the classroom, like I don't want to like cross a line. But I feel like all of those are just really fun and seeing like kids' reactions and just showing people like, yeah, I'm a teacher. Like sometimes I have to change my insulin pump during the school day. This is what it looks like really quick. Those are always fun. I think too, like that's a good transition because this episode, like we're getting ready for back to school and, you know, we're a lot of parents with type one and students with type one are kind of preparing to go back to school. So for you, like, I guess, A, like, I, I know you shared some stories about other students of yours with type one or students in your schools with type one and the connections that you guys make. So tell me a little bit about like what, what that's like to be able to connect with students with type one. And then, you know, 
how can you, or what are your recommendations for parents and students who are getting ready to go back to school and what they need to do, you know, to make sure that their diabetes is taken care of, you know, uh, before they go back? Yeah. So I have not had a type one student in my class yet. I'm like, hopefully one day I will have one. <laughs> but last year there was a student at my school with type one and there was one day she was walking her younger sibling or younger cousin to his class and she passed by me and I was in the hallway greeting students coming in in the morning and I had my deck come on my forearm and she saw it and she immediately stops and looks at me. She's like, are you diabetic? And I was like, yes. How, how'd you know? She's like, your deck's thumb. Here's mine. And she had a dress on, but she like pushed in so I could see the imprint on her stomach. And so every day she would come by and say hi. And she'd talk to me like, I'm getting an Omnipod soon. I'm so excited. I gave her little stickers to decorate her Dexcom because she had never seen them before. And I had a bunch like, here, take some stickers. Her parents came in around parent-teacher conference time. And they actually came to my classroom to introduce themselves. And they were like, she's told us so much about you. It's just awesome to meet someone else in the building with type one. And the mom is also type one. So it was fun to talk to them and connect. So that was just really special to see her every day and be able to kind of talk diabetes. I'd be like, oh, my blood sugar was crazy last night. How's yours? And she's like, oh, I'm good. So that was really special to have that connection. That's such a small um, thing, but it makes a huge difference. You know, I, I try to think of like put myself in, you know, the, the shoes of like that mom with type one who I'm sure has a lot of like anxiety, like and parents, parents and caregivers of kids with diabetes, like every day in the back of their mind, they're like worried about, you know, what could happen or have we prepared everything? And like, is there enough insulin in the reservoir or are there enough test strips or, or you know, is the, is the meter, you know, the, the CGM going to expire today or whatever the case is? Like there's so many things to balance in your mind. So just to be able to have like that reassurance that there's somebody else on campus who knows what you're going through. Right. Yeah. What a, what a huge advantage it is for that kid. Yeah. And one of my best friends, she has taken the time to learn everything about type one. Like she's phenomenal. And she's also a teacher, but in a different district. And she texted me and she was like, I have a student with type one in my class this year. And I was like, oh, you're going to do great. Like, you know, so much like that student is so lucky to have you as their teacher just from what she's learned. So yeah, it's really special. But yeah, getting ready for back to school with diabetes is like a whole different beast. I feel like I have to prepare so much more because I personally make a whole kit of all my extra supplies to keep in my classroom, like low snacks, extra pump supplies, extra Dexcoms, glucagon. Um, I put extra insulin in the clinic and I forgot that this past year and I hit a bump in the road one day where I ran out of insulin and I didn't have an extra vial with me and I had to go home in the middle of the school day to change my pump and go back, which was crazy. So keep extra insulin in school because <laughs> that was, that was a rough day. I think we've all been there, right? Like where you, you're like at work or you're like, like for me, I was in an offsite meeting and I got the low reservoir warning and I was like, it was like right before lunch. I was like, great, great timing. This, this, today's lunch is going to be uh, a little bit lower carb than I had planned on. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know what it is about. So huh, backstory, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I used to be at a campus like Mary knows because I told her at CWD. But I used to do like teacher assisting because there was a moment of madness where I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Don't ask me. I don't know why. But I mean, I'm sure Mary does it every day. So it's very rewarding. But it, 
also really hard. Like watching people in the field, it's difficult. There is something about being in a campus though that like the, the minutes turn like into hours. So that's also why you have all, all those supplies. Do you keep any random ones in like random little places for yourself to like easy access? Because you have fifth graders. So you can't like take your eyes off these people. Like they're wild. So like what what are we working with here, Mary? <laughs> I thankfully I we don't switch classes like I'm in my room most of the day so I have this giant all the teachers in our classrooms have these giant wardrobes and they have these nice little pullout drawers inside of them and so I have a label maker I labeled it diabetes supplies and I told my nurse at the school I was like if I if anything happens this is where all my supplies are and so I just shove everything in this drawer and so thankfully it's easy access if I'm teaching I can go in there real quick and grab something and then I keep some stuff in my teacher bag. But other than that, it's all in that little wardrobe. So pretty quick nice to stuff. grab stuff. Yeah. Except my students will be like, oh, do you need me to go get it? I can go get it. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm not touching well, snacks. Is you reaching in and you see a syringe or something like that. We're not doing that. I'll get everything. <laughs> how, how, how do you approach like talking about your diabetes like with your students? Do you, is that something that you kind of talk about on day one when you're meeting them or, you know, just kind of educate them as like you're changing a site or changing a Dexcom or, or anything like that? Yeah. So day one, I normally don't bring it up because it's just a crazy day in general. Like we just get them in, get them fed and send them home on day one. It's like nothing else happened. So normally the second day of school, I will introduce it. And I have this book, Just Ask by Sonia Sotomayor. And I love it. And it explains diabetes. It explains, but then it also has like autism, ADHD, being in a wheelchair, blind, deaf, like all these different things. And it connects those differences to just everyday kids. Like, oh, do you ever take medicine when to like stay healthy? So it kind of connects like taking insulin is like my medicine to stay healthy. Do you ever take medicine? Someone in your family ever give you medicine when you're six? So kids can kind of relate to it. So I normally read that whole book. And plus, all those differences are represented represented in my classroom anyway. So it's great for them, great for me. And so then I typically go back to the page with diabetes. I'm like, this page is extra special because this is, you know, personal to me. I have diabetes. So then I show them my pump and my Dexcom and kind of explain it. Sometimes it's a lot for them to take in. So all year long, they'll ask questions. And if I'm doing a, you know, pump change and they see it, they'll be like, wait, so what do you do again? What is your blood sugar? And so they like to kind of learn all year long. They always come up with crazy questions. <laughs> yeah. Kid, like kids curiosity. There's never, never a dull moment with what they'll ask. Right. So that's, oh, that's so such a great, great way to do it is the book. Like they can go back, like they go back, they go home. They're like, my teacher has this. I have this. It's so smart. You're genius, Mary. Like, I would not have thought to do that. Uh, also, yeah. shout out. Do shout it again. Out, uh, you know, the ultimate diabetic, diabetic doing things, Sonia Sotomayor, like, you know, Supreme Court justice. Uh, casually, uh, you know. Just casual, yes. right? Okay. We can get, we'll get yeah. her on the pod. I'll, I'll read the book out loud on the pod if she'll come on. So let's, let's make it happen. <laughs> Manifesting. You could end up yeah. just then. <laughs> so for you, like giving, like giving advice to people who reach out to you, or even just like parents of, of students, you know, we have a lot of caregivers and parents that listen to the podcast. So what advice would you have like for preparing your son or daughter or kid with diabetes to go back to school? Like what's the, what's sort of on Mary type one's checklist? 
Yeah, I feel like just having a good relationship and communication with teachers and the school nurse is like key because you're going to want to communicate because I have parents that will message me and be like, oh, you know, this was happening last night in our home. Like if, you know, Johnny seems a little bit sadder than usual or he's quiet, like this is why. So it helps me to know when things are going on at home and how that impacts student behavior. So I can be like, okay, they need a little more grace today. Like if you need some time to chill, like you take it. So I feel like with diabetes, you know, you have a night where your blood sugar is crazy. Like I am in and I feel like I'm hungover, like from crazy blood sugar, like it's exhausting. So if I had a student with diabetes, like I would want to know that day, like if they, you know, are going to be a little bit more tired than usual, or if they're going to need extra bathroom breaks or water breaks throughout the day. So I feel like communication and just having that open relationship between nurse, parent, and teacher is huge. That's so interesting. I think like, you know, just giving yourself context to what everyone's going through. And like, I think sometimes it can feel uncomfortable to share those moments. Like how often I think like there's the, the stat is like people with diabetes lose on average, like 30 minutes of sleep every day. So when you start to think about like how many hours of sleep that is per year, how many per 10 years, you know, like, and I think especially for kids who like are resting and growing and like need, you know, need to, you know, that, that extra rest or, you know, need that to be the, their best selves. It does help so much to just be able to tell like, Hey, we're going through this or we had this difficulty last night. Um, yeah, it's really, that's really strong. I think I'm, I'm, I'm a huge communicator. Airtrain knows it's like, this my, like, that's like my thing I always talk about like in work, it's just like, you know, the, the best ability is availability and you got to communicate all the time. And so, yeah, I think that, that's a really, that's really, really strong advice. I think the, you know, there, there's some other things like Eritrea has a question, I think about like not receiving, you know, services for kids with diabetes. Like, you know, what, what would you recommend? So go ahead and go ahead and ask the question, Eritrea. I'm not sure. I mean, that, that's really it. I mean, the, basically if you go to state school, right, you go to a school that's paid for by the government, any capacity, there are services that you are allocated as a student. And one of those services are 504. So it's like this whole file and information about you as a person who is disabled and how your teacher and the staff can help you. But I, so my campus was super low income and I worked at a lot of campuses like that. And some of the kids just didn't know how to receive the services. Like they spoke English, but their parents didn't or whatever. And a lot of the parents didn't know how to navigate that. But it's been so long since I was at a campus. So I asked the expert, Mary, because we have her here today and she has diabetes. If you were a parent who wasn't receiving the services that you needed, where would you start to get those for your kiddo? Yeah, so really like 504s, I would 100% recommend for a student with type 1 because it, I mean, it is like a legally binding contract that says, you know, these staff members have to be educated and trained on type 1 diabetes and like the school legally has to allow these services. So if you don't have one, I would just start by opening up that conversation with the teacher and then they can kind of point parents in the right direction. You know, the special education coordinators are typically the ones that will kind of get the ball rolling and reach out to parents and say like, okay, this is what, you know, we need to start having some meetings and talk about, you know, what's going on, what are the accommodations and services that will benefit your child. So those are great because, I mean, that can allow for extra time on assignments. It can allow for extra water breaks or bathroom breaks, needing to 
eat whenever or wherever you are in the school day. Um, and, you know, if you miss a day for really, you know, your blood sugar is super high and you're sick and you've got ketones and you need to stay home or if you have doctor's appointments, like it can kind of allow for a little bit more excused absences in those cases. So I think they're huge. And especially with state testing, because I'm in grade levels or we have all these state tests at the end of the year. And so it can also allow like, you know, if you have a Dexcom, then you can keep your phone because normally it's phones are off. They are silenced. No one's allowed to have any kind of devices on them, but it can allow for like your pump or your phone for your Dexcom to connect, which is huge to be able to have access to those. So high level fours are amazing. Highly recommend. So either teachers or I mean, even if you just call the school, they can point you in the right directions of who to talk to to get it started. I want to piggyback on that because I think it's important to just important exercise as a person with diabetes or a caregiver with diabetes to just get into the practice of advocating for yourself via paperwork. Because, you know, I think we talk a lot about, you know, even on this podcast and, you know, in, in the diabetes community about all the things that people with diabetes can do. Uh, and the list is long. There's some pretty impressive uh, accomplishments and, you know, shout out to people with diabetes who just really go above and beyond. Uh, but also the, you know, diabetes is protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act as a disability. And so I think that's something that even last week we were doing open enrollment for new insurance at my company. And, you know, there was a question, it's like, do you have any disabilities? And it was kind of duplicative because there's like another section that talks strictly just about diabetes. But like I went in, I was like, yes, I live with type one diabetes. And so I filled out all the things. And I think it's just a good exercise to advocate for yourself because like you said whether it's you know taking a state test and you're going to be testing all day and everybody else can't get on their phones but you may need to step out or like the sat or act you may need to step out and treat a low blood sugar and you are protected to do that and there are accommodations it may feel uncomfortable it may feel like everybody's looking at you and i will just tell you like yeah it feels really difficult in the moment but it will pass everybody's worried about themselves more than they are worried about you even even when you're you know in in those challenging like young adult years but practicing advocating for yourself early and often is just a really really rewarding thing you never know when uh, you might be in a situation where you can't advocate for yourself or you're in like a really you know urgent situation where you know it's important for for people to know that you know you need to be accommodated hundred percent advocacy is like the biggest thing. And especially with that 504, like it's legally binding. Like if people are not following it, then you can take legal action against it. But like you have to advocate for yourself. And when it comes to testing, it's like, you know, I always tell my students, if you hear me beeping, you have heard it, you know, all year long, you need to trust that I know what I'm doing. I don't need you to be like, oh, Miss Anderson, like I heard it. We've heard it all year long. Just now I'm just going to grab my juice and sip it. Don't let it you know, distract you from doing what you need to do. So same thing with the student. It's like if they, you know, need to go out for breaks throughout the whole school year, then it's like hopefully those kids know like it is what it is. Just they've got it covered. Not it's going to be like a huge distraction and it shouldn't make anyone uncomfortable feel like they need to go, you know, take care of their health. I also think that kids with type one just need a little bit of extra love and care. Like yeah. I just think that as a person who was a small child with diabetes, I remember feeling like I was annoying the teachers with like, oh, I need this. I need that. And if they wouldn't have known and there was a couple who didn't know and like were later sat down and were like, no, you can't tell your trash. You can't go to the bathroom. Like that's not legally allowed. Stop doing that. 
that file just helps. So if you're a parent, you don't know what that is, like Mary said, reach out to your teacher, reach out to your campus, find out what you can do to get your kiddo the stuff that they need, because that is a really crappy situation to be in as a little kid and to be like, I can't go to the bathroom because I'm going to get in trouble or I can't eat my snack and I'm going to get in trouble and your parents not there. So sometimes I even think that like kids with type one were kind of born into that advocacy role because you're by your school at your school by yourself. Like your parents yeah. are not there with you. So yeah, really important that we highlight that. And I'm glad we got to talk about it because it means a lot to me. I was a five or four kid. So yeah. <laughs> well, I know we it's weird about- for me because I didn't go to school with diabetes. So it's like a whole different perspective for me. It's like I never had to go through it myself, but I know it's a teacher like if I was a parent then it's what I would want for my child there's just a stigma it's weird so this is the last thing I'll say about it when I was at a campus I remember very distinctly once that there was a lady who told me and she didn't know I had diabetes but uh, I've always been the way that I am I have the personality that I have and she was like you know what you seem like you used to be a 504 kid and I just looked at her and I was just like is that supposed to be derogatory that I have a disability and she just looked at me like she had no idea like she found she messed around and found out that day but there is a stigma around it and that is so weird to me like grown-ups bullying little kids and that's a real thing so I don't say that to scare parents I don't say that to put them on the edge but just like be aware that some people don't know anything about diabetes and don't understand why people are given accommodations and are like weirdly jealous about it and that's them and that's fine but just set your kid up so that they have the resources that they need and the legal protection that they deserve at a campus when you're not around. I would go, I would even go further and say that most people don't know anything about diabetes. I think that's why diabetes creators are so important because, you know, you never know when some one individual story kind of cuts through, whether, you know, cuts through as a message or really resonates with somebody in a way that, you know, even if they had seen other videos or other information, like it just never connected with them before, you know, so I think, I think diabetes awareness like we talk a lot about diabetes stigma on this podcast and in the community but for the most part like stigma is the only awareness about diabetes that most people have because they don't have someone in their life with diabetes and they haven't been diagnosed with diabetes and you know they don't encounter it they don't have a friend with diabetes and so you know advocating for yourself like you said you're you're not only i think we talk a lot about it in the community like kind of jokingly like full-time job and like you're managing and, and doing all the work of a pancreas but you really are. And also you need a little bit of extra grace and a little bit of extra help. And you shouldn't like look down on yourself for that. I think like asking for help and it's a sign of strength, if not a sign of, you know, of weakness and you get better at it too. It's a practice skill. I think, you know, and I think like starting with the 504 is great because then you have that legal binding document that protects you and you can kind of grow from there. It really does have that, that, that strong foundation. And yeah, shame on people who then talk down to kids for, for, you know, opting into their like what they're legally uh, able to do yeah Um, i always hope that my students for what i teach them about diabetes that when they get older and they go into the world and they see you know insulin pumps and cgms that they'll just have that better understanding and acceptance and be like oh yeah like i have that teacher that had that you know so that's my hope but less stigma i try to teach them because they're always like well how did you get diabetes and then you know they already even third grade they know this stigma behind you know oh you ate too much sugar and i'm like nope i'm gonna stop you right here this is we're gonna talk about it so hopefully they'll go into the world and make it a little bit better for us that like each one teach one though right like you know that that's your chance like diabetes awareness kind of happens one one person to one person and you know they'll never forget it so you know that's you know that's i think really important 
Mary, I, I do want to ask you kind of like just, you know, what is what's something that you're looking forward to or like what's something that, you know, going into next school year that you're you know hoping to accomplish for yourself or for your students or like what what's something that you have, you know, that's kind of down the horizon that you're looking forward to? Well, I'm moving into a new grade level. So I've been in third grade the last four years. So it's my first year of teaching fifth grade. So I'm just excited to teach a new age group, learn some new content, and, uh, you know, learn that fifth grade math. <laughs> so I'm just excited for just a new change in what I've been teaching. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's really cool. And yeah, shout out to uh, all of our adults, parents, teachers out there doing that fifth grade math and beyond because that's, I, I haven't, I haven't had to think about that kind of math in a long time. <laughs> Same. I'm like, oh, multiplying and dividing decimals and fractions. Oh, I gotta. <laughs> I'm really a lot of it. Rob and I probably did math like in those old school like projectors. Remember those projectors, Rob, where they would like write in. Oh, I remember oh, it's a, a, tra a transparency, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, dude, those are so cool. And y'all don't have those anymore. If you're a kid listening to this, that sucks for you. I thought those were. Really it was always so fun to be chosen to clean it and yeah. <laughs> get to turn it and clean off everything that was on there. This is my favorite so thing about American school. Yeah, I loved American school. I can't remember the country. So it's like, oh my gosh, lockers. Oh my gosh, they do this transparency thing. Oh my gosh. So now when I think about teachers, I'm like, they don't have all the cool stuff that when I came to America. They... Yeah. Yeah, we, we talk about it a lot like at the agency because like we're presenting on TV or over Zoom and we've got like moving slides and videos and like cool like images. And it's just like, man, like 25 years ago, it was just like a transparency screen and some of the markers are like sketching it in real time. It's like we've come a long way. Oh, yeah. All these new fancy Promethean boards. I'm like, this is like a giant tablet in the front of my classroom. Like, this is insane to me. That's <laughs> really cool. It is. Well, Mary, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and, and uh, spending time with us. I know that our listeners are going to get a lot out of like the back to school vibe and, and you know how to prep. Obviously, they can they can reach out to you on Instagram or TikTok at Mary type one. And we're, I'm just excited to, uh, to meet you and like finally cross you off our, our diabetes creator list. Like we completed, we completed this from 2022. So that was a big win for us just in, internally. But, you know, thank you for all that you're doing for people with diabetes and, and educating and, and creating awareness and community. It's, it's really cool to meet you and, and be a part of the diabetes community with you. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And I'm sorry I missed the message to come on the podcast. And I saw it after Friends for Life. and went, oh, I never responded. So I'm glad we can buy and make it happen. <laughs> well, I was thinking funny, Bernard Trio. It's like, oh, yeah, she, must, she, she saw you. She's like, oh, this must be personal. It must be personal. She doesn't want you back. But now we got to, now we got to, she's like, now I have to put this part. This girl's going to fight me. No, no, no. But no, first of all, thanks for coming. But also, one last thing that I also want to make happen is Mary has a really great, a lot, my mom's a teacher, so I have a lot of love for teachers. And Mary has an Amazon wish list out right now. So if you'd like to donate to her classroom, please check out her Instagram. The link is in her bio. And we'll also list it in our show notes because we want to give back to Mary's classroom and help teachers like her. Teachers are severely underpaid in this country and deserve all the flowers and recognition. And I cannot say that enough. So, yeah. And what, what a cool story, like if the diabetes community could you know, be a helper to a teacher with diabetes and like, you know, what, what that goes and what that does for students. You know, I think like there's such a huge part of community. I don't know, like if uh, listeners are avid elementary fans, but like, you know, how like that type of, you know, thinking and people who are not just teachers, but also creators 
are using that platform to create more opportunities for tomorrow's youth. So, I mean, if you can't get behind that, what can you support? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, cool. Well, thank you so much, Mary. And we'll include all those links in the show notes and we'll see you guys next time.